The reading this morning is uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 49, which you'll find on page 858 in your church Bibles. Page 858. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in the word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the way just the way the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, 
for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it was because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning with at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Wow, what a reading, hey? Well done. Thank you, Anne, for taking us through that. Uh, Let me pray as we turn our minds to that. Uh, Lord God, we thank you uh, for the enormous privilege it is uh, to be gathered here to hear your word in our native tongue, to understand clearly uh, what you're saying by your spirit. And we ask that indeed you would do that this morning, that you would help us to trust and believe in the Lord Jesus, help us to be refreshed and renewed for a new year, refreshed and renewed in our struggles, refreshed and renewed to serve you. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, Well, let me introduce myself. My name is James Lewis, uh, Senior Assistant Minister, and uh, it is great to see you all here today for the last in our series. And I want to start um, with a quote from Jesus. Revelation 1, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Isn't that amazing? Did you hear what Jesus said? I was 
dead and now I'm alive and not just for a little while but forever and ever. I am the living one and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Jesus holds control over our great enemy. The thing that stalks us and haunts us and stands over us all of our lives, death. Jesus holds power over death. He holds the keys to death. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astonishing? Isn't that comforting? Or is it just plain dumb? Ridiculous. That's our series over summer. Five dumb things that smart Christians believe. Do you hear the tension in that statement? Five things that smart, well-educated, intelligent, well-thought-out Christians believe, but in our culture are seen to be increasingly just plain dumb and ridiculous. And Jesus risen from the dead, the claim that Jesus rose from the dead would have to be right up there with some of the most dumb things that people think Christians believe today. I remember hearing a uh, sceptic say, I don't live in a world full of miracles where dead men rise. I don't live in that world. But do you see that's exactly, totally, wonderfully the point? See, so Christians aren't claiming that this sort of thing happens all the time. You know, I was just, my neighbour across the road rose from the dead last week. It was great. Everyone was very excited. No, it, it, we're not claiming that it happens all the time. The Bible's claim Jesus' claim is that his resurrection from the dead is unique. That he is the living one. That he now holds power over death. So so let's be about what we're talking about today. We're not talking about Jesus being reincarnated and, and, and starting a new life. We're not talking about Jesus living on in the hearts and memories of those who loved him and followed him. We're not talking about Jesus' spirit being set free into the universe. No, as we heard last week, Jesus died on a cross and his dead body, his corpse was laid in the tomb and his disciples began to grieve for his death. But on the third day, Jesus' heart began to beat again and he had... Breath in his lungs again. He was alive, completely, totally, physically alive. See, you can visit the tomb of Confucius. You can visit the tomb of the Buddha. You can visit the tomb of Muhammad. They all died and their bodies were laid in the tomb and they're still dead. And you can go and visit their tomb where people remember and celebrate them. But you can't visit Jesus' tomb because on the third day he rose and his tomb is empty. No one visits an empty tomb. There's no point. There's nothing there to celebrate, to remember. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is unique. He did what you and I could never do. He conquered death and now he holds the keys of death and Hades. He controls, he rules over death. One of the things I love about Norwest is that on a Sunday, there are a whole range of different people here. Uh, Some of you have been Christians for many, many years. Some of you are newer to following Jesus. Some of you have a background in church and you're working out whether you want to reconnect and what that looks like. Some of you are intrigued but sceptical, open but cautious. And, And all that to say that as we talk about Jesus rising from the dead... 
there are going to be a whole range of different reactions in the room this morning. Some of you will be encouraged and excited by that. That as you heard Revelation 1 before, that Jesus is the living one, he controls death, you would have been filled with joy and delight and pleasure and comfort. And some of you will have lots of questions about that. And some of you will be sceptical. It's a great story, but that's all it is. And can I say that's okay? God is big enough to cope with our questions and our doubts. And so I want to spend a little while engaging with some of those doubts, those questions, not not to have a go at anyone, but to wrestle with those ideas. Uh, The first one is this idea of Jesus' resurrection from the dead being like an urban myth. You know, you hear that story about your work colleague whose uncle's neighbour's best friend who lives in, we think, Queensland, and this amazing story happened, but you can never really pin it down to who it happened to and and where it happened to. And and people say that's what Jesus' resurrection is like. It's it's like an urban myth. It's an amazing story, but you can never quite pin it down. But here's the thing. We can absolutely do that with Jesus' death. Everything that we, death and resurrection, everything that we know about Jesus' resurrection is from eyewitnesses. John and Matthew, who wrote the Gospels of John and Matthew, were Jesus' disciples. They were eyewitnesses to everything that happened to Jesus. Mark wrote his account from the eyewitnesses' account of Peter, the Apostle Peter. And Luke, who we just read uh, chapter 24 of a moment ago, he says in chapter 1 that he has carefully investigated the eyewitnesses. So we're dealing with history, not an urban myth. We know the eyewitnesses. So then people might want to say, well, okay, Jesus didn't really die, so then he didn't really rise. This is sometimes called the swoon theory basically says that on the cross, Jesus slipped into unconsciousness. He slipped into a coma. He swooned. And and so when they took him down and and laid him in the tomb, they thought he was dead. But then he woke up later feeling refreshed and went and appeared to everyone. And and they thought he had risen from the dead. And so he said, well, who am I to kind of disappoint everyone? I'll I'll just go with it. Can I say with, with the greatest of respect... That doesn't make any sense. When you think about it, Jesus was flogged within an inch of his life by the soldiers. Then they nailed him up on a cross with nails through his hands and feet. Uh, The Roman soldiers who supervised his execution were experts at executing. And to make sure he was dead, John records that they shoved a spear up into his side. And then his corpse was brought down from the cross and it was wrapped up in layer upon layer of heavy burial cloth and then he was put in a cold and dank tomb where he was sealed up with no medical care, no attention, no food. And so the idea that after three days there he just felt refreshed and got up and decided to walk 10 kilometres to Emmaus to surprise his disciples. That whole idea just is ridiculous, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. And and at the time, even Jesus' enemies knew that he was dead. And ancient historians like Josephus and Tacitus, who were not followers of Jesus, they record that he died. No one thought that he didn't die. So whatever else we want to say about Jesus rising from the dead, we can't say that he just swooned, that he appeared to die. He definitely died. So then another idea is that Christians 
stole the idea of resurrection from other pagan religions around them. You know, they thought, well, we need to do something with this Jesus thing, and so they just stole the idea from others. It's an interesting idea, but there's really no evidence for it. N.T. Wright uh, has extensively studied ancient Greek and Roman religion, and he says this. The immediate conclusion is clear. Christianity was born into a world where its central claim was believed to be false. Many believed the dead were non-existent. Outside Judaism, nobody believed in resurrection. Do you hear that? Outside Judaism, nobody believed in resurrection. Outside the Jews who read the Old Testament, no one had thought of, no one knew of, no one believed in the idea of resurrection. And even the Jews, they, they believed that there would be a general resurrection of all people at the end of history, not one man in the midst of history. And so when the disciples started preaching that Jesus is risen, it wasn't a second-hand idea that they'd stolen from elsewhere. It was new completely new, unique, revolutionary. I think this is one of the reasons why we find it hard to grasp, to get our heads around Jesus' resurrection. Because there's nothing like it in all our experience. It seems so strange and unusual because it is. Think, think about in your professional life, one of your colleagues comes to you and says, look, I've come up with this great idea that's going to change the way we work, that change the way we do business, change the way we live. It's radical and different. And because it is so different, it's going to mean a lot of change for people. And, and, and so people are going to find it hard to accept. And so then they tell you the idea and, and you think, yes, that is very hard to accept. What would you want to do with that? You'd be sceptical, right? Is it really that good? Does it, does it really work? You'd be full of doubts. You'd want proof. Same as the disciples. They had doubts. They were sceptical. They needed proof. And so what I want you to do now, I want you to walk in their shoes for a little bit. I want you to feel what they felt, see what they saw, respond as they responded. So if you'd uh, hopefully still got Luke 24 open, I'd like you to go there with me, please. Luke 24. Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. What are they doing? They're grieving, right? They're grieving. Uh, we saw back, uh, you see earlier in Luke uh, 23, verse uh, 49, uh, but all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Then down at verse 55, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. You see, they saw Jesus die on the cross. They saw his corpse come down from the cross. They saw it laid in the tomb. And then they went home for the Sabbath and they prepared spices as they grieved. You can imagine them saying, we couldn't protect him from the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers, but at least we can care for his body properly. So the very first chance they have, verse 1 of chapter 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. 
And when they get there, they find the tomb open. And not only open, but empty. And so what do they do? Did you remember what, when we heard? They say, well, of course, we knew this would happen. We were expecting this. No, they don't know what to make of it. And it takes a couple of angels to turn up and tell them that Jesus has risen from the dead. And so then they run back to the other disciples and they say, Jesus is alive. And so the disciples say, of course, we knew this would happen. We're just waiting for it to happen. No, verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words that Jesus had risen from the dead seemed to them like nonsense or in our terms seemed plain dumb. Verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. It's not obvious to Peter. He sees what's happened, doesn't make sense what's happened. Now, some of you will know that in first century Israel, uh, women were not considered reliable witnesses. Uh, They were not allowed to testify in court. Don't agree with that, just telling you what happened in history. Uh, And so they weren't allowed to give evidence. They weren't considered reliable witnesses. So if you were making up a story about Jesus rising from the dead, why on earth in the ancient world would you put your very first eyewitnesses as women? It's not going to add to the believability of your story. Why would you do it? Because it's the way it happened. It's the way it happened. And Jesus had taught his disciples to respect and value women as equals created equally in the image of God in a world that marginalized and dismissed them. And Luke includes their names here. You can see it in verse 10 of Luke 24. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and some of the other women. As if to say, look, if you're alive, then you could go and talk to them and ask them. Do you see what's going on here? The disciples have their doubts. They are skeptical, but they are being confronted with reality. So we skip ahead to the road to Emmaus. Remember that? Two disciples walking along. Jesus joins them, uh, but they're kept from uh, noticing and recognizing him. Then verse 17, he says, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They're still grieving. They're still despairing. They mentioned that the women had told them Jesus was risen from the dead, but that doesn't change anything for them. Then verse 25, Jesus says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, be crucified and then enter his glory? I love this because it's just so wonderfully ordinary, isn't it? I mean, Jesus didn't come in a blaze of glory out of the sky and say, Ta-da, I'm alive again. No, he walks with them alongside them on the road and he doesn't kind of give them a vision to to help them see, but he says, read your Bibles. It's all there. Sometimes people will want to wait for a dramatic conversion experience. They say, look, if, if Jesus just appeared to me, if he just broke into my life and showed me, grabbed hold of me, took me, then, then, then I would believe. But most often, Jesus reveals himself in the ordinariness of life. In an ordinary church building, full of ordinary people, wonderfully ordinary, but ordinary people, reading from ordinary Bibles on an ordinary Sunday, Jesus is revealing himself to you. So are you open to that? Are you listening to him? 
Do you want to know him? But still, that's not enough for the disciples. We fast forward to the last scene where Jesus appears to them uh, in their upper room. And they still don't believe. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. It takes touching him, seeing the scars from the crucifixion, eating with him to convince them. I don't know about you, but uh, growing up, we were always told it's rude to stare at someone while they're, while they're eating. I, I imagine it would have been impossible not to stare at Jesus at this meal. He's really alive. Do you see what's happened? The disciples are not fools. They're not into blind faith. They were sceptical. They were slow to believe. But their doubts dissolved in the face of reality. Their doubts dissolved in the reality, the undeniable reality that the Jesus that they had seen executed and laid in a tomb was alive again with them. Friends, this is the historical event that changed the world. This is the event that explains why we are sitting in this building today. This is hope for our broken world. This is hope for your broken lives, my broken life. Jesus rose from the dead. Christian writer Vinoth Ramachandran puts it much better than I can. You will not find hope for the world in any religious systems or philosophies of mankind. The biblical vision is unique. And that is why if someone says, surely there is salvation in other faiths, I always ask them, what salvation are you talking about? Not this salvation. No faith holds out a promise of eternal salvation for the world like the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ do. See, that's not dumb. That's not wishful thinking. That is wonderful, hope-filled truth. As Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord God, we are increasingly aware that so many things that your Bible teaches, that uh, we have believed, that so many Christians believe around the world, are just considered more and more in our culture to be plain, dumb and ridiculous. And so we thank you for this summer and the time we've had in this series to engage with those ideas. We pray that you would, uh, as, as you've done today, continue to fill us up with the truth, the truth that Jesus came and died and rose and rules the universe. We pray for those amongst us, as there are every Sunday, who are exploring and investigating, who are sceptical. Thank you for bringing them here today. Thank you for their questions. Thank you for where they are in their story. Please, Lord, will you show them the truth, reveal Jesus to them, that they might have joy and delight in him forever. And we pray in his mighty name. Amen.